Appreciate it. So I'm not so sure that the point of that was to say that 40 is the prime of life. I'm pretty sure, I mean, at 40, I don't want to be as weak as an 83-year-old man. Maybe 40 is not the prime of life. Maybe there's just a big drop-off by the time you hit 40. I don't know. You know, we, uh, I figure, just for, for the sake of symmetry, if we had the, the young people sing one chorus, we ought to have the old people sing another chorus. I don't know what the cutoff age would be. Old is a relative term, right? 40 and over? I'm not going to disagree. For a few more years. <laughs> For a few more years. I, I've got a ways to go before I hit 40. Hallelujah. I've got longer to go than some of the ladies sitting to my right. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> We better get to the preaching. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. We better get to the preaching because some of you are old and want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> Please don't sleep while I preach. I would appreciate that. Some people have a problem with talking in their sleep. I have a problem. I talk while other people sleep. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight. It's, I know I've said it in the last few nights, but it's always a privilege to be here, and, and uh, we love you folks very much. We're thankful uh, for the privilege of being able to come and be involved in what the Lord is doing here this week. Uh, if you are in Philippians 4, let's stand together as we read, beginning in verse number 4. Of this chapter, the Bible says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And verse number seven, pay close attention. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do... And the God of peace shall be with you. You're in Philippians 4. I'll ask you to turn a page or two to the right to Colossians chapter number 3. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 15 that says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of having true peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're here tonight, we just want to again acknowledge how much we need you. Uh, Father, even in this message tonight, we need your help uh, to see what you have to say to us in your word. Uh, Lord, not only to understand these truths, but to see how they affect us, how they apply in our own lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would just enable us to uh, set aside from our mind distractions, uh, tiredness. Maybe there's some here that don't feel well. Uh, Lord, just give us clarity of thought and mind and help us to listen to the voice of your Spirit tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I think it's obvious probably to most of us if we would really consider that the world that we live in is very lacking in peace. Peace is a, an elusive thing in this world. Uh, for as far as I know, throughout history, uh, men have talked about the need for world peace, and yet we haven't found it yet, have we? 
uh, all around us, we see wars and we see fighting and we see um, arguments and disagreements. I think uh, this nation is more divided than it's ever been in my lifetime, uh, maybe more divided than it's ever been. We could go back even as far as uh, the days of the Civil War when uh, this nation rose up against itself and people were fighting. I think if you were really a thinking person and considered the, the two sides fighting in the Civil War, the, the Union versus the Confederates, probably had more in common than many of the people that are in our nation today in terms of philosophy and, and beliefs. I mean, we're awfully divided. There's not a lot of peace. And then when we bring that down to a more individual level, we see that stress and anxiety and depression are at all-time highs. We see suicide rates at all-time highs. We see drugs and alcohol that are just uh, running rampant in our world. We see people that are just overcome uh, with fear and worry. And we live in a world that is really lacking when it comes to peace. But sadly, I believe that much like the world, even God's people and even inside of scriptural churches, we find people that are not living in peace. We find people that are disturbed, concerned, overwhelmed, stressed out, worn out, depressed, worried, troubled, whatever word you want to use to describe it, we find even among God's people, sadly, a lack of peace. This world that we live in has a tendency to influence us, and one of the ways that we are often influenced is by just being overcome with whatever emotions and, and concerns that we might have. I know I've found myself at times being uh, frustrated by the things that I see going on in the world around me, maybe even a little bit worried and fearful about what the future might hold. When you listen to the news, and by the way, uh, your life would probably be a lot more peaceful if you just turn off the news. He's, you say, well, I, then I won't know what's going on in the world. Yes, you will. Satan's fighting. People are trying to tear down our nation. There's wars and rumors of wars going on. Crime is happening. And that just stands, okay? There you go. You know what's going on in the world. But, it, but seriously, as we see everything that's going on around us, and as we live lives, sometimes pressed to the limits... We're constantly busy, we're constantly running, our minds are always consumed. And wouldn't you agree with me that sometimes in this world there is a lack of peace, even in our own lives, where there's just kind of a, a general sense of stress and anxiety and fear and worry. And I want to say to you tonight that God does not want that for you. That's not God's will. God wants you to live in peace. The Bible is full of teaching and admonition that remind us and tell us that we need to be at peace. We need to be at peace with God. We need to be at peace with one another. And we are to be at peace even within our own selves. I want you to notice verse number 7 of our text here in Philippians 4, where he says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. God's peace is able to keep, to guard, to protect your heart and your mind. Verse number 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And then as we looked in Colossians 3 and verse 15, this admonition, and let or allow the peace of God let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let me ask you tonight, what is ruling in your heart? We understand as Christians that there is the reality of the circumstances all around us. 
that is, those things are constantly working at us to take our peace away. And we, we also have the reality, the truth of God's Word, the promises from His Word that are working to, to, to bring peace into our lives. And these two things are at, at, at constant conflict with one another. And the admonition here in Colossians 3 is that we would let the peace of God rule. That we would allow God's peace that He offers to us to overcome all of the stress and anxiety and worry and struggle of the world that's constantly pulling us in the other direction. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Why? To the which also ye are called. God has called you to a life of peace, ruled by His peace. God wants you to be able to lay your head uh, on your pillow tonight and go to sleep in peace. That is God's will and plan for you. Now, that can be a really difficult thing to do because, like I say, the circumstances around us don't always lend themselves to that. Because you might be dealing with some kind of a financial hardship. And you're not sure what the answer is going to be. You might be going through some kind of a health problem and you don't know what the outcome will be. And you might be dealing with some kind of grief or loss in your life and you're faced with the the reality that things are never going to be the same. You might be dealing with some difficult problem that you're, uh, that's going on in your family and you're not sure how to, how to handle this thing and all of those things are very real. And it's not as though God is telling us that those things don't matter. But what He is telling us is that we are to allow His peace to override our worry and consternation about those things. We are to allow His peace to overrule. Notice in verse number 7 of our text that this peace that God is offering us is a peace that contradicts our own logic and understanding. Because it is the peace of God which passeth all understanding. In other words, God has called us to live in a peace that doesn't even make sense. A peace that the world would look at and say, how is it even possible in the situation that you find yourself in to live in peace? Folks, I want to say, and and this isn't something I bring up a lot. It's not something I talk about a lot because I think it gets talked about too much in society. But in the last two years, some things have been revealed in our world and in our nation that are very troubling. And obviously, when we even reference 2020, everyone knows what we're talking about. We had a global pandemic that hit. The world was in turmoil in our nation, we had racial tensions and riots and an election that was contested. and It was a rough year. But I think that more troubling than all of the problems that were going on in the world, more troubling than any of that was the way in which so many people that named the name of Christ responded to those things. I saw in that time, and I'm sure you did too, people who claimed to be Christians who were ruled by fear. Who were ruled by hatred. Who were ruled by anger. Folks, those things ought never be. Listen. This world is in a mess. 
And if you know this book, you know things are not getting better. And before it's all said and done, there are things that are going to happen that are way beyond anything we have ever experienced. Unbelievable, crazy things. And I understand, we have this blessed hope that Christ is going to return at any moment, at any time, He could call us home and we'll be delivered out of here. And I look forward to that. But I just want you to know, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have some problems and difficulties in this life until that happens. And as the time of the return of Christ draws near, the world is going through this falling away and life gets harder and harder and harder. But none of those things overrule or override the truth of this book. And therefore, none of those things ought to overrule or override the peace of God that is to rule in our hearts. We ought to have peace in knowing that God is in control and God is able to meet our needs. And, 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 and we ought to have a peace that the world can look at us and say, it doesn't even make sense that those people, I mean, they must be blind to what's going on. Listen, I'm not oblivious to what's happening in the world. I don't have my head buried in the sand. But let me tell you something, I'm not scared either. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't moments where, where, where some, some worry rises up within me or some fear rises up within me. But overall, in a very general sense, I can say this, I'm at peace in knowing that God is in control. And at the end of the day, if things get bad enough in this world through some kind of disease or some kind of persecution, that my life here on this earth comes to an end, my Bible tells me to depart and be with Christ is far better. So what am I really afraid of? In other words, the peace of God is to rule. And there's some principles of this peace that we find from our text here that I think are going to be helpful for us as we consider. How can I have the peace that passes understanding? First of all, you need to remember and understand that God is the source of peace. Verse number 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind. Verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. God is the author of peace. In other words, peace doesn't come from circumstances that are going your way. And peace doesn't come from in ignorance of the facts and reality, peace comes from God. And that's why verse 4, where we started, says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And you might be going through something in your life, and you say, how could I possibly rejoice in this trial, in this fear, in this burden that I'm carrying, in, in, in whatever it is, this problem that I'm facing, how can I rejoice in this? Because he doesn't just say rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. He says rejoice where? In the Lord always. The rejoicing that we have is in Him, because He is the God of all peace. It is the, the, the reason that we can have peace is because that peace comes from God. And by the way, circumstances change. And life changes. I'm saddened by the fact that the, the, the nation that I love and the nation that I live in is not the same nation that I grew up in. I'm saddened by that. Things change. God doesn't change. 
God does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1 tells us that in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. (laughs) It's not just that God doesn't change, it's that God does not have the ability to change. Literally, did you know that God is limited in the sense that He is not able to change? He is who He is. In fact, that's even how He identifies Himself, isn't it? I am that I am. Jesus used that phrase when they came to him in the garden. They said, we're seeking Jesus. And he said, I am he. If you, in the King James, it says, I am he. But if you know the King James Bible, you understand that there are italicized words that are put in there. And the the translators were honest enough to, to italicize these words to tell us that this word doesn't necessarily appear in the original language, but it's here for clarity to understand the concept of what that means. You look when Jesus said, I am he, that word he is italicized. In other words, you know what Jesus actually said word for word? I am. Did you know Jesus is the I am? I am that I am. The Alpha and Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. God is the same. He doesn't change. And all the world can fall apart all around us, but if you are anchored to him, if your foundation is on a rock that doesn't move, then you ought not be moved. He is the God of peace. I want you to hold your place here in Philippians 4, if you would. But go with me to the book of John. And chapter 14. John chapter 14. John 14 and verse number 27. Jesus says here, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, I, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with peace. But I love that he, he clarifies that. My peace. It's not just that God gives peace, it's that he gives his peace. And Jesus even distinguishes that and says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Did you know that there, that there is a type of peace in the world? But the problem is it's a counterfeit of the real thing. The, the peace that the world has is temporary. It's, it, it, it's, it's circumstantial. It's, uh, it's fleeting. It's elusive. But God's peace is real. And it's lasting. And it's beyond our human understanding. God is the source of peace. Think about this with me for a moment if you would. God is the author of peace. In other words, it was His idea. God initiated peace between Himself and man. We, because of our sin, were the enemies of God. At enmity with Him. And it's not as though God said to us one day, Hey, let's, uh, let's get together and have peace talks. And I'll meet you halfway, and you meet me halfway, and we'll come to some agreement where we can have a treaty with one another, and we'll be at peace once again. That's not what God did at all, is it? We were the enemies of God, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came and paid the wages of our sin so that we could be restored to fellowship with Him. And Romans 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was His idea. It was bought and paid for by Him. He's the author of peace. 
He's the source of peace. And I will tell you this, that you cannot have peace, true peace, without Him. If you do not know Him, if you are not His child, if you have not received Christ as your Savior, you are not at peace with God and you will not be able to be at peace within yourself. You need God. But if you have Him, if you have been saved... And you know Him, you are at peace with God. And because of what He has done for you, you can have peace in this world. Jesus said, verse, uh, we're in John 14, go over to chapter 16, look at verse 33. John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. The word tribulation means trouble. You're going to have problems. This this life isn't worry-free. It's not problem-free. It's not like we get saved and all our problems go away. In fact, sometimes when we're trying to do right and live for the Lord, it seems like problems find us. In the world, Jesus said, ye shall have tribulation. I've written these things that you might have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. But then he says this, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can have peace in him because he is the God of peace. He's the source of peace. And in Philippians 4, where we read, and where where really our text is tonight, we find a process or steps to peace. Here's how we can have true peace in our lives. We said in verse number 4 of Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 4, that we are to rejoice in the Lord. The idea here is that we would actually delight ourselves in in who God is. God said something interesting back in the Old Testament. He gave a command. He said, be still. Those two words are words that I think we need to be reminded of from time to time. We're just not very still. We're always going, we're always busy, and if we do get downtime, folks, let's be honest, most people walk down the street, walk through the mall. If, if someone has a down moment, what are they doing? Faces in the phone. <laughs> got to watch this, got to read this, got to see this, something new, something different. So, constantly filling our minds, constantly occupied, constantly busy. I can't have a free moment to just think. God said, be still. Be still. I've got a couple of kids that can't sit still. I won't identify who they are. I don't want to embarrass them. (laughs) We pray together, and out of the corner of my eye, moving, 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 sitting down, legs are moving. They just can't, can't sit still. Can't sit still. So as their dad, what do I say? Be still. Sit still. Just relax. Chill out, dude. Be still, right? God says be still. Honestly, our lives would be a lot simpler if we just took some time to be still. Take 15 minutes a day and do nothing. Sit and be still. But God didn't just leave it at that. He didn't just say, be still. What he said was this, be still and know that I am God. He said, well, I know you're God. No, 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 no. Be still and know that I am God. You know what I think God's calling us to do? Take some time without any distraction, without anything else, occupying our minds and just consider who he is. 
just fill ourselves with, with, just remind ourselves of the truth of what we know of God. Be still and know that I am God. Okay, Lord, you are God. That means you're in control. It means that you have a purpose. It means that you have a plan. Be still and know that I am God. Rejoice in the Lord. Isaiah 26 and verse number 3 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Set your mind on him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Look at verse number six, if you will. Be careful for nothing. Now, the word careful, and you probably are aware of this, it doesn't, that's, when we use the word careful, we're talking about being cautious. But when you read in the Bible this word careful, it doesn't mean cautious and using caution. It means to be filled with care, full of care, careful. Jesus told Martha, who was busy about serving, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Sometimes in our busyness and even in our serving, we're careful and troubled about many things. The Bible tells us, be careful for nothing. If you are overcome, overwhelmed with something in your life tonight or something going on in the world around you, you're not heeding what God said. Again, and I'm so thankful that God doesn't just write off our pain and our problems. He doesn't say, pay no attention. He doesn't say, ignore the problem. But he does say, you are not to be careful about that. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, don't allow it to fill you with care and worry and fear. Be careful for nothing. You know what he's really telling us? Trust me. It is possible to be diligent to be problem-solving, to be working toward a solution while still trusting God. And sometimes we have this idea that if I am really trusting God, that I guess that means that I'm not doing anything about this circumstance. You know, if I'm trusting God and I've got a health problem, then I guess I'm not going to go to the doctor and try and find a solution. And, and we might, you might say, well, that's ridiculous. But then on the other side of that, you, if you are looking to the doctor to solve your problem, you're not really trusting God. What I'm saying is it's possible to be working toward a solution to the needs that are going on while still resting in confidence that God has this under control and I don't need to worry about it. Be careful for nothing. Don't be filled with care. Trust God. He's in control. Rejoice in the Lord. Trust in Him. Be careful for nothing. And then it says this, listen. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Did you know, and I... And I can say this on the authority of the Word of God and from personal experience because I've been a Christian a long time and I've been a pastor for a while. I've been in ministry a while. Did you know that much of your lack of peace and my lack of peace is actually a prayerlessness in our lives? He said, Be careful for nothing but in everything... 
By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Several years ago, in the church up in Fargo, we had some very serious problems. Satan had gotten in to stir up some people, and without going into details, there was division, there was fighting, there, was, there were people that were leaving the church, there were people that were slandering the church, uh, there was just a bad spirit in the church, and I'm telling you, it was an awful time, painful And it was one of those things where several months into this, it seemed that we were at an impasse because everything that could possibly be said had been said hundreds of times. And it had been talked about and talked about and talked about in public, in private. church service would dismiss. There was no fellowship taking place. Everybody just out the doors, in their cars, gone. The few people that would be left, you'd see them in corners, whispering. It was awful. And I remember sitting down with some men in the church, talking about the issues, talking about the problems. And I looked at him and I said, in your mind, I want you to kind of do big math, quick figures. How much time have you spent talking about this issue, trying to find a solution to the issue, working toward a resolution within the church? How, how much time, how many hours have you spent laying awake at night worried about this? And once you come up with that number, I want you to think about and calculate in your mind how many hours you've spent praying about this. Because the reality is, amidst all the problems and all the talking and all of the striving against one another, I would venture to say there was a lot less taking it to God and leaving it in His hands. And I only say that not to air out dirty laundry, but simply to say we as people don't always go to God first, do we? Often our prayer life and our prayer list reads like a list of last resorts. I've tried everything else, and I guess now I'll take it to God. But that's not what God said to do. God said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Bring it to God. James 4 says this, verse number 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You do all these things, you strive in all these things, you try and figure out the problem yourself, but the biggest problem is that you're not taking your needs to God. And tonight, can I just say to you that you would have a whole lot more peace in your life if the first thing you did, whenever something entered your life trying to steal your peace, the first thing you do is take it to God. Before you call the banker, before you call the doctor or the insurance agent, before you call your friend, before you, you try to figure out a solution on your own, take it to God. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the promise is this, the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. God is able to meet your need, and to give you peace.
but in everything by prayer and supplication with, with, and this is important, thanksgiving. Oftentimes we get focused on circumstances, focused on problems, and we lose our gratitude. We lose our thankfulness. And listen, I know that in this room tonight, and I don't know all your needs and all your problems, but I know that there are many very real needs and problems represented here. Burdens that you're carrying, and I'm not minimizing those, but no matter what you are going through, you have many things to be thankful for. And sometimes you just need to get your eyes off of the problem and start praising God. Start thanking God for all the good in your life. Because God has done great things for you. And we have a lot to be thankful for. So with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. Trust Him. Rejoice in Him. And then He tells us that we are to think on certain things. He addresses our meditation. Verse 8. We won't take the time to look at each of these things individually, but notice what He says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you filling your mind with? Can I just encourage you in something? This isn't, I'm not like saying that this is Bible, you have to do, but let me just encourage you in something. Turn off the talk radio. Stop watching YouTube. Read and watch only as much news as is absolutely necessary to make sure that you aren't totally unaware of some nuclear attack somewhere in the world. Don't surround yourself with negative and complaining people. And find good things to replace that with. Replace all those things that I just mentioned with truth. With preaching, godly music. People of encouragement. God tells us, think on these things. Good things, right things, true things, honest things. Fill your mind with goodness. Because all the issues and all the problems in the world are like a poison to your peace. And if you constantly fill yourself with all the negative things in the world, you're going to struggle to be at peace. I was talking to Brother Bright the other night. And, and honestly, I just, I feel for law enforcement officers. I do. I know it's been mentioned. I feel for them. You know why? Because they constantly, all day, every day, have to deal with all the garbage going on in the world. And it's hard to surround yourself with all that stuff and be able to go home at night in peace. I'm thankful that God has gifted certain people in a way to be able to do that. And, and listen, if God's put you in that position, brother, He can give you grace. And He can help you in this. But you probably have to work at this even more, filling your mind with right things. But we all need to. Think on right things. Think on good things. Young people, listen. Fill your mind with truth. Psalm 1. We're going to close tonight with Psalm 1. If you'd go there with me. We're talking about having peace. 
And notice what he says in verse number 1 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 119, the psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. The blessed man, the happy man, is one who fills his mind not with carnality and ungodliness and wickedness, but with truth, specifically the truth of the Word of God. And it says of this man, verse 3, listen to this, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We just moved from Barnesville, Minnesota, just outside of Fargo, North Dakota, across the river. And if you've ever been up in that area, you know a couple of things about it. First of all, it's flat. It's very flat. It's like West Texas flat, okay? But another thing about it is this. There aren't very many trees I mean, it's just kind of open. But if you get up in an airplane and fly over the region, you can see every river and every stream. You don't see the water. You know what you see? Trees. And you can follow the contour of the river because that's where the tree line is. Because along the river, there are trees that have very good, strong root systems because they're constantly fed and watered by that river or stream. And a tree that's planted by the rivers of water has a much better chance of surviving in a drought, has a better chance of surviving in a storm. It's planted in a good place And God says, if you delight yourself in His Word and meditate in His Word, you'll be like that tree. And in times of drought and in times of storm, you'll be able to stand. And notice what He says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. Those trees that are planted by the river, when it's time for them to, for the leaves to bud and grow, that's exactly what happens. When the season comes for them to produce fruit, that's what they do. You know what? We've been talking about bearing fruit this week a little bit. Walking in wisdom, being filled with the Spirit, bearing fruit. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Colossians 3 says it this way in verse 16. We read 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Verse 16 says this, let the Word of you richly. And then he says, his leaf also shall not wither. Things have been dry nationwide for a while here. We've had this heat wave and the drought. And some places in the country have finally been getting some rain this week. But one of the things that happens in droughts is the grass dries up, the trees will wither and die because there's no water. But trees that are planted by a water source tend to survive. And folks, we are, we're living in a time in a world where the conditions are not ripe for you to be a fruitful, thriving Christian. And circumstances want to knock you off your feet. But plant yourself in the Word of God. Fill your mind with truth. And regardless of what goes on in the world, listen, there's always water here. You can survive in a world where there's no peace, you can have perfect peace 
in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Bring your request to the Lord. Be thankful to Him and meditate on truth. And He's promised that the peace of God will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word tonight. Thank You for the peace that only You can give. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us as Your people as we live and walk in this dark world that does constantly fight against our peace. Lord, help us to remember that we're not of this world and our peace comes from a source that never changes. And help us, Lord, to walk with You, place our faith in You, and allow You, Lord, to give us the peace that passes all understanding. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Stand again with our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Time of invitation. Is our peace ruling heart? We come and give some things to the Lord tonight. Maybe we need to confess that we haven't seek, we're not seeking Him. We're not meditating on His Word, trying to figure things out in our own strength. Is there peace in your heart tonight? Look this way, take your hymnals and turn to 112. That's the song right before uh, the song that Mr.